This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. The year was 1964. Here I was as a college student in Pasadena, California, and one Sunday evening I drove to, well, to enjoy an evening worship service at the Evangelical Covenant Church in Pasadena, California. And as I walked up to the front door, there was a young lady standing there in a beautiful yellow dress. And as I walked up, she gave me the most amazing smile. It captured my heart. And together we walked up the aisle. And two years later, we walked up the aisle with a veil on her head. We've been married now 58 years, almost 58 years, 57 years. And the interesting thing is that when I saw her, I did not see me, I saw her. And she didn't look at all like me. Thank the Lord for that. But she said that when she saw me, I didn't look at all like her. And she was thanking the Lord for that. And because of that, we were attracted to one another And the Lord brought us together, and we have been married ever since. Now, does that mean that we haven't had any struggles, any difficulties, any trials, tribulations, and so on? No, it doesn't mean that at all. But one of the interesting things is that when we get married, we generally recognize that the other person is not like us. Then after we get married after a while, we think the other person should be exactly like us, and therefore... We don't respect one another, and we don't love one another. And then you find people going away from the altar to the divorce court. Today on Viewpoint, we're going to provide a remedy for that. We really are, and I hope you'll be listening, friends. This conversation is always with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And today I trust that our conversation with our special guest, Nina Rosner, will be transformative She says she and her husband have been married 32 years, and uh, she's coming to us with a very special book. Uh, It's called The Respect Dare, and it's talking about how women, married women, can develop a deeper connection with both God and with their husbands. Now, I'm so glad that she's joined us because another man might not be receivable, that viewpoint might not be receivable by you ladies that are listening out there, but hopefully you'll be able to receive it from Nina and with our conversation together. So it's covenant. We're, we're covenanting together to uh, accomplish God's purposes, friends. God ordained marriage for the very beginning of the book, and he concludes the end of the book with our with marriage and everything in between is related to marriage, his relationship with Israel, and also his relationship to the church, you might think that God has some interest in marriage. So that's why we're talking about it here today with Nita Rosner. Nita, it's good to have you on the program today. Oh, thank you for having me. This is such a great topic. Well, it is a great topic, and uh, it's one of the foremost topics that has been on my mind and heart uh, over these many years. We've been on the air now 28 and a half years and uh, confronting the deepest issues of, excuse me, of America's heart and home. And one of the deepest issues is this matter of marriage. And we talk a lot, we mention a lot here about divorce. God hates divorce. Uh, 
he he loves marriage. He he has ordained marriage to give glory to his name. How is it that we're, it's so easy for us to desecrate that in this day and age? I think the world is so very loud. And so if you spend, you know, half an hour to an hour in the morning, or maybe even way less than that, reading scripture, um, and then you spend the rest of your day on social media, listening to radio, you know, podcasts, whatever it is that you're doing that isn't biblically based, which is, you know, social media, then guess what? You're going to be influenced by it. That's just social science math. It's normal, and it happens. Well, that influence began back in 1968 in large measure when Ronald Reagan, the then governor of California, inaugurated no-fault divorce, which he said, by the way, was the worst thing he ever did as a politician. And, uh, of course, after that, I was practicing law there shortly thereafter from 1975 onward for 20 years. And uh, 40% of my practice was in the broader body, was in uh, family law. And 80% of my clientele came from the broader body of Christ. I was renowned as a Christian lawyer who gave Christian advice and operated in a Christian uh, biblical way. But one of the things that I discovered is that of all the professing Christians that came to my office, almost none of them were willing to be reconciled. They had already decided in their minds and their hearts that they wanted to break up, to separate. And uh, it was very uh, disturbing to me because every single one of them, I did everything I could to try to give them a vision for the future, to try to give them a hope and a purpose, and they just couldn't see it, couldn't embrace it. You're trying to give hope and a purpose and a promise here uh, through your book, aren't you? Well, yeah, and we work with couples that um, have filed for divorce where there's been years of separation, where there's been jail time for domestic wow. abuse, uh-huh. things like that. And and I am 100% sure, and we have a great success turnaround rating, because people, when they understand what God's will is, and then on top of that are willing to align themselves with it, and then do the things he's been asking them to do, uh-huh. instead of waiting around on their partner to show up differently to make them happy. Like, that's a problem right there. That's a biggie then what happens is the marriage starts to be different mm-hmm. when we take responsibility. But we live in a culture where that's just not popular. <laughs> well, it isn't popular, and it's not popular even in the church. What I've discovered, yeah. uh, by yeah. the time these people had come to my office, they had already gone through their pastor, their Christian counselor, and their Christian friends, all of whom had in one way or another either openly or tacitly put their blessing on uh, divorce. And uh, yet God says he hates it. So we've got a viewpoint problem, don't we? Yeah, we really do. And it, and I don't mean to fault those people, but they don't know any better. They, they want people to be, quote, happy, and they don't understand that there's a journey that's supposed to take place mm. that makes us more like Christ. And it's not it's not awful. Like, that's the problem. There's nobody telling you, yeah, this is hard, but choose your heart. Divorce is going to be hard. Oh, they it's, it's terrifyingly hard. hard, and it yeah, gets harder... In, in fact, as time goes on, oftentimes it gets harder and harder. Yeah, and your kids get ripped in half through Mm-mm-mm. that. It's just so destructive, yeah. and there's a better way. Well, is there is, way. and that's what we want to talk about here. We're not here to cry against the darkness, but we're here to shed light on the mm-hmm. subject and to give hope uh, where there seems to be hopelessness. And your book is a terrific book. 
uh, and it's to give hope for ladies. And by giving hope to ladies, it also gives hope to men. And so it's about your writing about what you call the respect dare. Now, what's interesting is that God commands men to love their wives, but he doesn't command women to love their husbands. He commands women to respect and honor and obey their husbands. That's a strange thing, it seems. Isn't that unfair? Is that bias? Well, we want to talk about that after this break, friends. you got to get a copy of this book, The Respect Dare. It is a $16 book, but it's yours for $10 on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us. Make sure you get it because it will change your life. Be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. In our guest book today, Nina Rosner, is a very interesting uh, picture, uh, a recitation of what happened uh, with a woman in her marriage. And here it is. The woman said, or she admitted, that she had spent the first eight years of her marriage in a constant state of disappointment. Her poor husband fellow could, could never live up to all the expectations that she had, Finally, she decided to sit down and write down all the expectations she had brought with her into the marriage. She said she filled out one page after another with all the ways she wanted to be treated by a man. After writing out every expectation she could think of, she put all the pages in a shoebox. She grabbed her husband's hand and went into the backyard. She dug a hole with her husband together, and they had a funeral for all those unfulfilled expectations. And that night, she changed her perspective on marriage. Her eyes lit up as she told the story about the funeral that had taken place over 25 years ago and that she had been happy ever since. Our guest says this woman had learned a secret. A secret. I wonder what the secret is. What say you, Nina? Yeah, so expectation puts pressure on other people, and it is a refusal of acceptance. It's a lack of grace, like, yeah, seriously, and a judgment of another person. And so when we release those things, we become more like Christ, and then we're free to love. And then on top of that, we receive whatever's presented to us, and we go, okay, so... I long for this, whatever it is, but God, I trust you more. So if I don't have that now, you have a purpose for whatever I have now because you're Mm. so good. So there's a reason for this. Help me see it. Help me be grateful in the midst of what I have. Help me appreciate what's here. Help me accept my reality. We cause ourselves pain when we don't accept reality. And then we put pressure on other people, which usually causes them to dig in their heels and And you're talking about the word expectations. And interestingly, psychologists say 
that broken expectations are one of the premier causes of broken marriages and divorce. Mm -hmm. Broken expectations. But what if our expectations are not right? What if we are expecting of someone else that which we don't expect of ourselves? For instance, what if a woman is expecting her husband to love her, but she's not willing to respect and honor him as God commands? Then what happens? Yeah, it's a hot mess. You know, <laughs> so I mean, in other words, it's both, like that old Scottish phrase, would to God to give to see us to see ourselves as others see us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, how long have you been counseling uh, families, women, men? Yeah, so we started Greater Impact in 2005, and we've been working with couples since then, uh, working with individuals, primarily women. And it is women who are the ones that overwhelmingly file for divorce. It is now. It doesn't used to yeah. be that way, but it's been that right. way for about 10 years now, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has. And and so teaching people, you know, and, it, and it's, it's a really tough situation because a lot of women feel downtrodden, worthless, and then, you know, they're getting messages from their spouse that that's true. And what they don't know is, is where are the lines to, you know, be an Abigail, if you will, and be an Esther and to submit and to love and to um, be respectful no matter what you're dealing with. And, and so much of the foundation of that is gratitude. You know, if I'm not grateful for the struggle that I'm in, which sounds so counterintuitive, but it mm-hmm. is God's way. And he calls us to that, to be thankful in everything. That means everything even if I can't understand it. But if I can choose to trust God with whatever I'm dealing with, then I know there's something for me to learn in it, and there's something good that's going to come out of that. Well, how about not just being grateful for the struggle, but grateful for the things that you can be grateful for? I think the tendency, not just for women, but for men, is to look at the things that bother us that we don't like and forget about looking at the things that we do like the things that actually drew us together in the first place. That's something we need to refocus on because an attitude of gratitude will change everything. It really does. If I mean, whatever you're going to pay attention to grows. So if you have a critical heart about you, then you're going to find problems. If you're of a judgmental spirit, you're going to be judgment, and which is all sin, by the way, hello. Mm. And yeah, your husband, your wife, they're not perfect. Neither are you. You know, so we have to have that awareness that we're dealing with somebody who sins differently than we do, and then we judge them in that, and that makes us miserable. So stop it. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, it was about 25 years ago, uh, the Lord spoke to my heart very strongly to point out this issue of gratitude and uh, how important it was. And ever since then, this... Uh, Focus on gratitude has become a predominant aspect of my life, uh, our marriage, of my outlook on life, and so on, because an attitude of gratitude changes everything, and it changed our marriage dramatically. Even though we were Christians and we had a good marriage, but we've had a great marriage since God pointed out this issue of gratitude to me. Wow. That's beautiful, and praise God for that. That's so huge. And that I, is I didn't say a perfect marriage, though. 
I said a great right, right. marriage. <laughs> well, that's work, isn't it? Well, yeah, absolutely. You know, back in the book of Malachi, uh, God spoke to the leaders of the children of Israel. And he said this, if I be a father, where is my honor? Where is my honor? In other words, where's my respect? God wanted respect from his bride. We have it right there in the Bible, and he couldn't get it. He wanted that. They wanted to say, I love you, I love you, I love you. God says, no, fundamentally, I want you to respect me. I want you to fear me as God because I have a responsibility and authority in your life. Mm-hmm. We don't like that idea today. In fact, the whole <laughs> feminist revolution has been a revolution against authority. Yeah. Have you noticed uh, that? Yeah, I wish they would have stopped. Like, I was fine. I wasn't a big feminist, but I was glad when you know we had to vote and stuff. But the problem was they kept going. And now mm-hmm. it's become this really sick and twisted yeah. thing that is being and right, wrong, or whatever. Like, the trans community is starting to like really impact all of that and and rightfully so i'm not pro-trans but i'm i'm i am saying that you know what you sow is what you're going to reap there you've gone overboard everybody was all about the c-suite jobs mm. they're like you want equality in bricklayer positions and plumbers like do you want that too because there's no equality in prison inmates either do you want that too <laughs> i'm sorry but ladies you can't have just the cake with the frosting, like you've got to, you've got to understand that there's a lot more that goes into this. If you want mm. equality, you want that across the board. Yeah. I don't think so. When the draft comes back, if we end up in that situation, there's gonna be a lot of girls going, "Oh no, sorry, no, I'm not a feminist." Yeah, well, you're That's gonna be just happens. like in Israel, where uh, the the females are drafted as well. Yep. You have a two year mandatory service. Idea. That's right. Yep. Exactly. Okay, now. Uh, <laughs> We're we're just kind of laying all the chips out there, Nina. I know there's a few. And there are a few, and you're a woman, and you're speaking as a woman, and you realize the struggle uh, that women have today about striving for equality, striving against authority, and uh, ultimately the whole civilization breaks down, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's a really warped perspective that we have you know we're we're we and i say that loosely because i don't really see myself as part of this crowd but you know we're demanding that we get equal treatment okay so that means if i'm in a law firm equal if i'm one of these people means i should get as many opportunities as partner but i'm also going to take off early and go pick up my kids and you know somebody's sick so i'm gonna i'm wired by god to want to be the one to do that Mm -hmm. like you cannot have it both ways no. The CEO of Pepsi-Cola was a woman. She, I love her so much. I can't remember her name at the moment, but she said something so profound. You cannot be excellent as a mother and as a CEO. You cannot have both. Not at the mm-hmm. same time. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't wow. step away from the wiring that you have either. Like Until the oxytocin, the bond, the connection that you have, the biological bond starts to wear off. Like That is a thing. And we're like, oh, I was, it was really hard at first, but it got easier. Yeah, that's because the bond you had with your child biologically stopped. That is sad. Yeah. So sad. When I started feeling that, like I was one of these corporate people, and I had a child, and I was so 
so naive about what it'd be like to have a baby and work part-time even. Mm -hmm. And I dropped my child at daycare at, you know, six in the morning, cried my way all the way to work and would work for three days, you know, and I'd pick him up and then I'd do the same thing the next day. And by the end of the second week, it was getting easier. And I'm like, there's something wrong with that. And the reason was I was spending less time with him. Somebody else was bonding with my baby. Mm -hmm. And I was losing the flow of oxytocin, which is a normal hormone that God gave mostly to women. Hello. So, yeah, there are gender differences. Sorry, not sorry. That happen, and they're there for a reason. So the more time we spend away from our kids and somebody else raising them, the less we have that connection. And you may think, yeah, but I need this paycheck. It's like, no, you don't. Like, live with less. You have so much more relationally if you have a smaller house, fewer things, and spend more time with your people. That's the stuff. Like, nobody remembers what they got. You mean even with your husband? Yeah, exactly. Oh, a husband spending more time with his wife, a wife spending more time with her husband, both of them spending more time with their children. And yes, we all want some sort of intimacy. We all want to be recognized. We all want to be respected. Yes. But we've adopted a system, a mind and a heart set in our country that elevated financial prosperity over life prosperity. And uh, that's where that. we are. And uh, now what you and I are talking about here is how do we bring uh, correction restoration to our marriages and there are a lot of troubled marriages out there 70 percent of pastors wives say that their marriages are not very good 70 percent now why is that do they really do they respect their husbands i'm not sure that they do and i don't sure i'm not convinced that those husbands actually love their wives it's a charade so we're living in a situation of pretense in our congregations, in our society, among the church, and I think God isn't really all that happy with it. He said, I want you I didn't call you to be happy. I called you to be holy, doesn't he? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So that has to do with our marriages. So you have in the third chapter of your book a personal assessment. I thought it was very, very good. It's several pages long. And uh, what are you trying to accomplish with that personal assessment? Um, well, people cannot change without self-awareness. Mm -hmm. And so we must first take a look at ourselves and evaluate, where am I at in these categories? And I don't claim to be perfect at them myself. Like, it's all a journey. And I don't mean to put immense pressure on people to, you know, just be perfect because we're not. But you look at that and you go, wow. There's some spaces here where I'm seriously falling short. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do about that? And if we don't take time to look at ourselves and how our behavior impacts other people, we're basically a sociopath. Like, that's how that works. So <laughs> how come you're speaking so frankly? Um, you know, I'm 56 years old now. I don't have any children in my home. I've lived long enough to go, you know what? Somebody needs to just call it like it is because I wish people would have done this for me when I was yeah. in my late 20s. And, the, and, the, and the, I loved my church that I was going to at the time, but uh -huh. everybody was so gentle and sweet and kind, like nauseatingly so. Somebody needed to sit me down and be like, you need to stop this, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it was, you know, mm -hmm. or try this instead, because if you like kick the ball down the field 100 yards, 
and see what this looks like in five years. If you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to get more of the same, except it's going to be worse. Exactly. Okay. Now, uh, you're reminding me of a statement made by the the past uh, Mr. Krauthammer. He used to be a very uh, uh, knowledgeable and respected political commentator. And uh, he made a statement. He said, uh, this was years ago, he said, we are in this country increasingly expecting of our politicians what we decreasingly expect of ourselves. He said there's a word for that. It's called hypocrisy. That's what you just described. You just described that in our own families, in our own congregations, and so on. So how do we escape that? That's what we want to focus on for the balance of the program today, friends. The Respect Data, deeper connection with God and your husband. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. It's such a delight to be able to come before you here day after day after day on Viewpoint to confront the deepest issues that touch our hearts and our homes from God's eternal perspective. That's what we're doing here today, not hesitating to say things the way they really are, speaking the truth in love, but not hesitating to speak the truth boldly, because that's what gets our attention. Now, look, God commanded women to respect and honor their husbands and obey them. But the obedience comes from respect and honor. The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, Each of you submitting yourselves to the other in the fear of God. Notice, in the fear of God, that's the beginning, that's the foundation for it all. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as unto the Lord. Now, it's very simply stated But the difficulty seems to be in living it out. One of the reasons, uh, Nina, why I think it's difficult for people to live it out, because we've lost the fear of the Lord in the land. We've almost abandoned it in in the church house. So how how can we obey what God says when the very foundation for it was each of you submitting yourselves to the other in the fear of God? Yeah, I think that's a Holy Spirit-driven understanding. Mm-hmm. And, You're right. Yeah, so when we ask God, help me know you, help me help me be connected to you, teach me who you are, the first thing he does is just humble us mm. with the understanding of that, because he can't do anything with us when we're not humble. Exactly. 
So we have to be clothed with humility because God resists the proud but gives grace or uh, extends his ability for us to obey him uh, if we're humble. All right. So how would you define a woman who respects her husband? What does it mean to respect? What does it look like? How do you show it? Uh, What if he doesn't deserve it? Or at least from the wife's perspective, he doesn't deserve it. You asked such easy questions. Um, (laughs) 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 So, you know, none of us deserve respect. Let's just lay that out there first. I don't deserve it. Even if I was the most kind person I could possibly be, I'm still, like, I can't get out of bed in the morning without having sloth hit me. You know, I want to hit the snooze alarm, and I'm not even conscious. Mm. And. And so at the core of who we are, the heart of man is evil. And so there's that. And we are sinners that are saints, absolutely. And we are clothed in the character of Christ. But on an average daily basis, we're not any different than our spouse. And so can we humble ourselves to recognize that that's a key piece and recognize, because at the core of respect, I think, is understanding that our spouse is just as important and precious as we are. And want to be. Yeah, but he has and, a different viewpoint. Do you yeah, do you agree so? with the, Do you agree with the statement that men and women are different? Oh, absolutely. Notwithstanding what popular sir. culture says, men and women are actually mm-hmm. different, no matter what yeah, you self-identify as. Yeah, they're wrong. Um, if you look at biology, and I know you agree with this, you, you look at biology. Men bond over a hormone called vasopressin. They have it in massive quantities compared to women. There's nothing you can do about that. They have massive amounts of testosterone compared to women. There's mm-hmm. nothing you can do about that. And so you cannot expect men to be women. This is one of the biggest mistakes women make in their marriages, expecting their husband to behave like a girl, to um, you know, to validate. He's going to want to solve the problem because that's how he connects with you. Mm-hmm. So when you bring a problem to him, when you bring a complaint, you got to understand, unless you say, I just want to vent about this, I don't need you to do anything, he's, he's sitting over there trying to help you. And it, then that's going to cause conflict because you don't want his help. You just want to talk about it. Well, how about the wife help. that wants to do the same thing? Yeah, she wants to correct her husband. She wants to tell him everything, what to do, how to do it, where to go. Where's the respect? I know. I know. It makes me crazy. And we get that way because we want to help. That, like that's the If we assume the best about people, you know, but the problem is, is you don't, talk to grown-ups like that like you don't boss people around like that yet there's plenty of people in our culture they're perfectly comfortable doing that well don't you think though that a lot of women want their husbands think their husbands need a mother you know that that is absolutely the the most destructive notion that's out there and it is out there you're talk about about a lack of respect that's about as bad as it gets isn't it it is and you get caught up in this I'm mothering little children, and then he didn't take the garbage out because he couldn't read my mind. And, you know, it's like, well, men and women are different. You want him to take the garbage out, ask him to. You know, there's differences there. He's not, he is not going to step into a space he views as yours because that to him communicates, at least this is the average man in Mm -hmm. general speaking, that I don't think you can handle this, so I need to take over for you. He views that as a demeaning thing to do. So if you want him to do something, Say, hey, baby, would you mind taking the garbage out? Instead of being all resentful and angry at him because he didn't read your mind to do that. And so those hormones matter because they change, they impact how men and women view the world. Well, how about, how about, uh, at a countermeasure, how about uh, a 
woman or a, a wife uh, asking her husband to do something, and if he didn't do it instantly, she went in and did it anyway. What does that say to him? Well, that says to me that she's, like, not a grown-up. But, yeah. you know, he's He's saying, I can't get no respect. Yeah, yeah. And and so, like, if, if you were looking, and this is the saddest thing. So if we look at people as, well, how would you treat a coworker? You ask a tro- coworker to do a task, and they don't do it right away. Well, did you communicate when you needed it done and why? Mm. Okay, maybe you didn't. Okay, or maybe you did, and yet it still isn't done. So what do you do with that? Well, you go in and you say, hey, um, I'm sure you have a plan for doing X, Y, Z. And they're like, oh, no, I totally forgot about it. I'm so sorry. I'll go do it now. Because people forget things. Hello, can we have some grace? And then on top of that, it's like, yeah, I was going to do that when I did this other thing that's attached to it or makes it easier for me. Are you okay with it? It's like, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. But in... We, we have an identity crisis mm-hmm. where we're looking to other people to validate our existence. And so, therefore, if they don't do what we've asked them to do or they don't behave in ways that we expect them to, to your point earlier, mm-hmm. then we feel slighted somehow. It's like, that's not even related. Like, know who you are in Jesus. Know who you are and let that person's behavior be their behavior. And then work it out. Like, it's really that simple, folks. Okay, but how about, uh, you know, a, a woman is listening right now, and she's saying, you don't know my husband. You don't, you don't know him. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't get off his uh, rear end. He's uh, constantly watching television or the sports or whatever. He doesn't, he doesn't yep. attend a business. And uh, yep. how can I respect that? Yeah, so two things. First of all, what have you done to contribute to his lack of effort? Because my guess is, and this is what we see pattern-wise, is anything that he's ever done before has been not good enough. So why would he bother? Mm. Because it's just going to be criticized anyway. So in other so words, you're just a, you've heart. been a perpetual wet blanket over any motivation he might have ever had. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So there's that that happens a lot. And nobody mm. likes to talk about that because it's like women are like, well, you don't understand. It's like, come on, ladies, let's grow up. You know, you want to be treated as equal. Well, let's start acting with the same caliber of men because they have a ton of character. I'm, and I'm not betraying my gender. Men are worth valuing. Women are worth valuing. Period. Mm-hmm. And end of conversation on that. Right. But when it comes to why is he sitting on the couch, he's got a good reason for that. And it could be because any time he's ever done anything for you or with you, you've criticized him. So that is – it's less painful – hear you gripe about him sitting on the couch than it is to actually put forth effort and then be demeaned because he didn't do it exactly the way that you had expected or in your head it was supposed Mm, to be. mm, mm. You know, um, one of the, let me just put it this way. A few years ago, the Lord led me to write a book called Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. And uh, what I have discerned over the years is that men supposedly don't know how to uh, spiritually lead their children, their families, and so on. And I also discovered that the number one cry among Christian women for a good 25, 30 years has been, why can't or won't my husband be the spiritual leader of our home? So when I came out with this book, uh, I really thought that I was going to be able to motivate men uh, to get a copy of the book and so on, but two-thirds of all the books were purchased by women. Why do you think that is? Oof. 
Yeah, because she wanted to read it and then say, here's what you should be doing, honey. Uh, but the no. but the man wasn't doing it, so she steps into no. the gap, and, and I, I have to give credit to women for stepping into the gap, but uh, so then she says, how can I respect a man who God commands to lead his family in the word, the will, and the ways of the Lord, and he won't do it? Yeah, so how can God love you when you're so miserable, critical, and, and judgmental, and ungrateful for what you do have? <laughs> you know, we're not any different. You know, yeah. I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to women, right? Mm-hmm. We're not, in, and that's the primary thing. We're not any different in terms of value. And so we have to go, this person that I'm living with that's on the couch, not doing whatever, is a precious child of God. God matters. God died for him. He sent his son for him. That person is of worth. And and am I, as a human, am I going to be a respectful person, or is my respect determined by the behavior and the circumstances around me? Is my identity a respectful person, which is the character of Christ, mm-hmm. or am I going to be whatever, based on whatever's happening around me. No. So even that person on the couch is worthy of respect, worthy of love. And does that mean that then I have to roll over and get taken advantage of? No. But understand that you've created, made it really, really easy. Let's say it that way, because I believe men need to have agency as well. So I'm not saying... So so what do you say to a situation where... A wife continually demeans her husband to the children, talks yeah, negatively. He's worthless. He's this. He's that. He's indolent. Uh, what do you, What do you say to that? She needs to stop it. That's that's insulting somebody who's precious to God. That's rude, mm. disrespectful. Okay, like, this yeah, this is okay. such a serious issue, and it's not just about women. It's about men and women. Uh, I could, I could sit here for two hours and talk to men straight out. Today, we're talking primarily with women because our special guest, Nina Rosser, is doing that. The need to respect your husband. $10 will put this book in your hands. Don't miss it. We'll be back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. When is the last time you publicly praised your husband? Publicly. Ask your husband if he can remember a time when you publicly praised him and how it made him feel. Hmm. 
Excellent question. And what you have done here in your book, Nina, we haven't really talked about it in this sense, but you divided this book into 40 separate little sections. Each one is a day, a small day of focus to help ladies come to grips with the the variety of issues dealing with uh the lack of respect and how to come to a place of respecting their husbands. Uh, it seems to me that by doing that, you actually made the communication a little bit more receivable. Uh, I normally don't like to do interviews regarding books that have these uh, 30-day kind of a things, but this particular one I feel differently about. And uh, I think you've done a great job here. It's so, so helpful this matter of respect. Somebody else wrote a book called uh, Respect and, uh, let's see what it was called, uh, Love and Respect. That's what it was called. came out years ago, Love and Respect. Well, you're writing about the respect aspect. Yes, husbands are supposed to love their wives as Christ loved the church. But wives are supposed to respect and honor and obey their husbands. Now, how do you, how does a wife honor her husband by obeying him when he doesn't seem to give righteous leadership in the home? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question. It so is. <laughs> that's yeah. why I asked it, because it's, it's a very troubling question. It is. And I've heard pastors say, well, you just obey him into anything that he wants to do because he's your spiritual leader. And even if that means if he wants to do a threesome with you and your best friend, you go along with it because he's your head. And it's like, <laughs> okay, so none of the rest of Scripture applies. Like, we're to obey God and not man. Like, five, Acts 5.29 is out of the window because I'm a wife. Like, mm. I don't think so. Right. I you agree. Look at, yeah, you look at Abigail and, you know, Nabal just about got their whole world destroyed because of how he treat, was going to treat David. And she, you know, rose to that occasion and honored um, everybody in the situation was very wise in how she executed saving everyone. It, it was really not was. In, in fact, in fact, it was so wise that God actually destroyed. He took vengeance <laughs> on her husband who yeah. refused to be hospitable to God's yeah. chosen person. Exactly. It's, it's the one place in the scripture we find where God actually killed a man for not being hospitable. I know, right? Like, that's pretty brutal. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I think about the women listening to this, and I, I feel like I'm kind of thanking them. And, and it's just like, we don't have a lot of time here. You know, your marriage just keeps moving, and your kids keep growing up. Well, and, Jesus is going to come sooner, and he's not coming back for a bride with spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. That's the reality. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the things that we've been doing don't work. And so we, we need to wrap our minds and hearts around God's ways, which are higher than our ways. They're different. And people think, women think, well, if I'm going to submit and obey my husband, that means that I'm going to get taken advantage of. It's like, no, you're not. You know, you're supposed to also have a yes that's yes and a no that's no and be able to stand behind that with good reason but not be terrible. Like, you need to be open your husband, God, when you guys can't agree, God has something he's trying to work that neither one of you see. 
Mm. And so you need to navigate that carefully, gently, kindly, respectfully to figure out what it is, because he brought the two of you together to do this thing that he wants you to do. And it's going to look the way that he wants you to to do it if you'll mm. be open. Yeah. And that's, that's at the core of respect. And, and we're all so afraid. We're like, well, I know the right way to do something, so we're going to do that. And if somebody threatens, you know, challenges that or has a different view, then they're wrong and I'm threatened and I'm offended now. It's like, well, that's in, there you go. You're yeah. offended. Great. Stop it. Well, offense, uh, offense is a, a terrible thing. We're not supposed to take up offenses. Right. And uh, what we are supposed to do is forgive, and it shall be forgiven us. I uh, I spent 20 years as a trial lawyer in California, and as I said, 40% of my practice was in the area of family law, in the largest family law court in the country, that is the Los Angeles yeah. Superior Court System. And uh, I've heard it all. As a Christian lawyer, yeah. uh, with 80% of my clients coming from the broader body of Christ, I've seen, I've heard the underbelly of the body of Christ, I've seen it all, all the rationalization rationalizations, all the motivations, all the resistance, all the stubbornness, all the pride, I've seen it all. And then, since I left the practice of law and have been and formed Save America Ministries 30 years ago, uh, as a pastor for 30 years, I've, I've seen the whole thing over again, over and over and over again. And uh, it, it's very disconcerting. And can you imagine how God feels when he looks at what is supposed to be his bride displaying the relationship of Christ to his church through our marriages and sees the mess that we're in. Yeah, it, I, I can't even wrap my brain around that. Like, what did it take for him to get to Noah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, my wife and I have been counseling people for 50 years, counseling from coast to coast, and you've been counseling, and uh, it's it's a tough it's a tough battle. One day... Uh, this was about uh, maybe 35 years ago. My wife and I have been asked to do a, a marriage seminar uh, in the high desert of California. And so I got to the location, and I'm sitting there in our hotel room, and I just have absolutely no clue how I'm going to open up this yeah. gathering. And that is not a usual thing for me. But I was stymied, and I'm sitting there in the hotel room, and there's only about a half an hour left before we have to, you know, go to the dinner and then and then have the meeting. And I said, Lord, help me. And he brought me to a scripture that says this. Sarah called Abraham Lord. I thought, Really? Sarah called Abraham Lord? And then the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, and he said, yeah. And a husband needs to be a wife before he can first be a real husband. I thought, really? To be a husband, a man first must be a wife? He said, yep. He has to be a wife to Christ. A husband has to be a wife to Christ before his wife can truly respect and honor him and say he's Lord. That, my friends, I tell you, that is what set the tone for that entire weekend. Mm -hmm. And it has been something that's echoed through this ministry ever since. 
To be a husband, I must first become a wife. In other words, submit to God, to submit to Christ as the, as the husband. And then, when I'm doing that as a husband, I help to facilitate my wife respecting me. Mm-hmm. Isn't that how it's wow, supposed to work? Powerful. Yeah, it's so powerful. That's amazing. Well, I'll tell you, you have uh, put together a piece of work here. Now, uh, your husband knew you were writing this, right? Oh, he edited the book for me. Oh, he did. Did he edit it uh, privately or out loud? (laughs) Or both? both. You know, like, I I mean, yeah, he he read it. He was the first person to read it, and Mm -hmm. he's, he's a brilliant writer. He's a genius, and... He had feedback for me, and which I needed, and uh-huh. I was just so grateful. So did you have some are. real discussion along the line as he was editing oh. it with you? Yeah, definitely, because a bunch of those stories are actually from our marriage. Uh-huh. Some of them are from class members and stuff, but right. um, the names have been changed. To, for, you know, to protect, to protect the guilty? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Nina, obviously you have a passion for this. I have a passion for it. My wife and I both have a passion for it. And uh, we, we desperately want to see God's people to respond in humility and obedience to him so that our lives and our marriages and our families can give glory to him. We're dealing with this very same thing in our extended family. So, I mean, there's no mystery. We're all having to deal with these issues, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. How many kids do you have, Nina? I got three. They're all grown-ups. Got a couple grandkids. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, we had three daughters, and we have uh, 11 grandchildren now. So, uh, yeah, between the two of us, we we have qualified as expert witnesses, I think, haven't we? Well, and, and I hope as encouragement for sticking it out because a, a lot of what's out there is not good information. And, and there are, his ways are not our ways. Right. And if anything, I would love for your listeners to walk away with some hope today because exactly the this, this stuff they've been trying, it, it's not working, but there is a way. Yeah. Because God honors his covenant, covenant. And if you believe him, like some days that's all you have. And I know you're hurting. But if, if you hang on to that and just keep seeking him, he will show you the way. You mean to tell me that marriages can be restored by Absolutely. faith? Yeah. Without That's faith, right. it's impossible to please God, right? Yes. So this is the doing of faith. Yep. It really faith is. without obedience is not faith, is it? Correct. There's no trust. So if we trust and obey, you know, it reminds me of that song. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, talking about marriage now, what a glory he sheds on our way. When we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Mm. Isn't that right? Isn't yeah. that so simple? At least it's simple to stay. true. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Take a quick moment and address the ladies uh, as you see fit. You know, I just want to encourage you. I know you're hurting. I know that you've been through a lot and you can't see the way out. And I just want to encourage yeah. you. Um, and we have free resources for you to get you started with that at greaterimpact.org. 
you're not alone in this, and you do not have to hurt the way that you are. There is joy and peace and thriving ahead for you, and it doesn't look the way that you, you've been trying to make it look. So hang in there. Don't quit. Don't quit on God. And yeah. Don't quit on your marriage. Never give up. You know, one of the wonderful things, Nina, I noticed you and your husband live in Loveland. Yeah. <laughs> Funny, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's like somebody else I know dealing with the family lives on Smoochers Lane. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully all of us will live in on Loveland or in Loveland uh, as a result of this uh, conversation here today, Nina. And uh, pray for us, will you? Absolutely. Right now? Yes. Is that good? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this precious time together. Lord, I pray that nothing I said gets in the way of what you're trying to do, but that you do bring your hope, your goodness, your encouragement, your forward movement to the women that are listening and to the men. There is hope here, and there is purpose in the suffering that's, that's happening. It's always about you, God. You are good. You are good. And so there's goodness that we don't see in the middle of the moment that we're in. So help us be a grateful people. Help us find that goodness. And then help us become who you've created us to be, to walk in our identity, to be strong, to be able to call each other to a higher level of being. Because we want to be your son here. We want to emulate his character. And we need the filling of your Holy Spirit, Lord, to do that. So will you do that with your listeners today, with all of us? We fill us with your Holy Spirit. And you bless us in this holy commitment we've made to you, the covenant. It's worth keeping. Pray all these things in the name and identity of your Son. Amen. Amen. The Respect Dare, 40 Days to a Deeper Connection with God and Your Husband, my dear lady friends out there. Uh... It's a, it's a $16 book, yours for $10 on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. It's a gift you can give to your family. Yeah, a gift you can give to your family. And you can do it surreptitiously to your husband. Just get it for yourself and read it and begin to follow. You'll be amazed what happens. And it's on our website, saveus.org. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries. at $10 for posting and handling. And become a partner, friends. Do it today. Don't delay. Let's prepare the way of the Lord in our lives for this one's final hour. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.